Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of The School for Dumb Women, which today is sort of Valentine's-themed. Each week, we tackle the subjects you're too proud to admit you know nothing about, with some jokes thrown in so we don't all fall asleep. We've got a vague theme of love and lust running through the show today, but much like our actual lives, it's not just about that. We lead balanced, modern lives. We go to yoga and we cook omelettes. We don't (laughs) need men. I'm your host woman, always gets a Valentine's Day card from her mum, Hannah Farrell. With me is a lady who once accidentally went to a flatmate networking event thinking it was speed dating, Alexandra Haddo. I was very confused when people were asking me how much I'd be willing to pay. And can't choose between her dog and her boyfriend this year, Caroline O'Donoghue. One shit's on the carpet, Hannah, but the other one is so small and cute. This week we're talking horny drinks, putting your mouth on other mouths and orgasms. All things that we gave up in our very, very dry Januaries. So, Alex, you've come in with a bit of a red uh, markings around your face. Have you got pash rash, just an allergic reaction to something? Yes, it's an allergic reaction to loneliness. Oh, uh, yes. Sadly, I haven't been kissing anyone recently, but my section today is on kissing. Ah. Which, you've been practicing on your hand? Yeah, <laughs> good old days, eh? Isn't it very strange that when you fancy somebody, the first thing you are most likely to do is to put your mouth on their mm, mouth. Yeah. It's very weird. I know that obviously there's loads of things that when you dissect it like that, it seems weird, but kissing is a really strange phenomenon because not no other animals do it. Like hugging makes sense. Yeah, like em- Embracing people yep. with warmth, like holding your hearts next to each other. Absolutely. Trust, like yeah. it's a very beautiful thing conceptually, but kissing is just mouth smash. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it feels like a button bash on a, on a PlayStation controller. Yeah. And also yeah. for food as well. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's the same hole. Not sexy because that's where you see spinach in people's teeth. Yes, yeah. exactly. And they've got teeth in it and a tongue, which is basically just like a snake with a mound of its own in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Ming. It's a horrible concept. But, how strange is this? So we've discovered that it's quite weird. Less than half of humans do it. It's a very Western thing. Oh. No. I did silly. not know that. Yeah. Even in, I mean, maybe it's a Western public thing, like kissing in public, but surely in bed, people are putting their mouths on each other, right? People, the mouth is one of the big sexual guys, right? Yeah. Well, you think, but it says this BBC Earth story that I found it on says, people in Western societies may assume that romantic kissing is a universal human behaviour, but new analysis suggests that less than half of all cultures actually do it. Kissing is also extremely rare in the animal kingdom. 
I refuse to believe that my dog doesn't understand kissing because I do kiss her and she does Aww. seem happy afterwards. <laughs> maybe that's just because you're close to her then. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, this study looked at 168 cultures and only 46% of them kiss in the romantic sense. That's mad. I and know. also, it's one of those things that you know that, you know, for one of these cultures that doesn't kiss, they're looking at us and being like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, what is happening So there? unhygienic. Mm. So who are the cultures that don't kiss? So they, I know this is going to the extreme, but the Mehinaku tribe in Brazil, when showed videos of people kissing, reportedly said it was gross. Yes. <laughs> that's not 46% of humans. You've got to remember that's 46% of cultures. So it's probably a lot of, they're saying basically the more tribal and the more hunter-gatherer yeah. certain peoples are oh, we see the it. less wow. likely they are to kiss in a romantic sense because I guess it's just us being like we have iPads now we've got a lot more free time let's just kiss so maybe we only kiss because we see other people kissing and we're like that looks fine like the cool kids are doing that so I guess I'll do that and then yeah. just perpetuates until everyone's kissing so when did kissing start? the oldest evidence of kissing behaviour comes from Hindu Sanskrit texts from over 3,500 years ago. And it was described as inhaling each other's soul. Oh, that is sexy. Those sexy Indians. And also in Egypt, they weren't quite as horny because they just used to show couples like standing really close to each other rather than kissing. Fine. So it'd be like, oh, there's Dave and Betty standing very close to each other. They must be together. Oh. Well, they got a lot done, the Egyptians. Yeah, they... to be fair, they were inventing everything, so they didn't yeah, have time yeah. for kissing. No, no time. Um, what's been your best and worst kiss? Oh, I, I I do remember my worst kiss, which was um, it was one of those classic teenage kisses where like someone's friend comes up to you and says, "Will you meet Greg behind the bush?" Yeah, classic. And uh, so I met Greg behind the bush, and uh, we did that thing when you're teenagers where you just like snog endlessly for ten minutes and oh, nobody yeah. knows when to end it. Or... I know, and it never happens anymore because you've like you've discovered sex now. Yeah, so yeah kissing's yeah. like yeah, go, go, go. sex. Totally. So I was like, I mean, you're you're kind of doing that thing. It's like the dogs sniffing each other's bums you're not really enjoying it you're just sort of trying things out yeah. but I remember we um, you know unwrapped from each other and uh, this big long string of saliva oh. for what felt like about four and a half feet oh my god I just remember another bad kiss oh can I tell you about this one too yeah, yeah you can okay um, so in, in, in Ireland we have this thing called Irish College where you're sent away to an Irish speaking area for like a few weeks during the summer to improve your language skills oh. but what it basically is is an excuse for people teenagers to get together in rural Ireland and grope each other yeah of course so me and this guy I really fancied called Michael because he was the tallest boy and I was the tallest girl oh. <laughs> um, tall loving tall loving um, we like snuck into one of the classrooms to like kiss or whatever like, it's a very organised kiss and I was so nervous I fancied him so much that I just started farting chronically. <laughs> no! I know and literally we were walking down a corridor and I, I just couldn't stop myself from, <laughs> from farting. Oh my, oh my gosh! So what I did was <laughs> I said did you hear that? I think one of the teachers is downstairs and he was like looking around being like what? And then he was like I was like I have to hide. <laughs> Are you coming out? And I was like, we have to hide. Oh, I just no. farted chronically out of nerves because I obviously was I was not ready for that level of development where like I could kiss someone but not in a alone building with them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. just was not ready and I knew it in my soul that I wasn't ready. Oh. But you really fancied him as well. I fancied him so much. He's gay now. Oh, <laughs> well. Probably because of that event. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, mate, I'm so sorry for your I'm loss. actually really hot thinking about it. <laughs> Oh god! You know when you have a memory for the first time. Yeah, yeah. my god, sir. You poor little farter. <laughs> How old were you? About fourteen. Oh, yeah. was that your first kiss? No, it wasn't my first kiss. But I think the other kisses were of a Greg caliber. This was the first right. time where I felt like, oh, I really like fancy this person, and I can feel my body reacting to him. Yeah, I know? want to put my mouth on his mouth. Yeah, yeah. 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 I had my first kiss when I was fifteen, which I think is quite old. Oh really? I was sixteen. Were you? Wow. Beating you. Okay, yeah. I'm a slut. I was Fine. a strange child. Oh. Where was your first kiss? It was on a school trip to Berlin, <gasps> uh, sitting in one of those car simulator machines. Oh, that's quite sexy. This is like Not a Selena really. Gomez music video. <laughs> yeah. It was a terrible kiss, obviously. Yeah, But course. the setting is quite nice. Yeah. yeah, the setting's quite nice. Everyone was bowling. We were all bowling. My first kiss was in the car park of an old people's home. And right. it was with a boy called Ashley. And I had stolen my mum's virgin Alcatel phone. And it went off in my pocket halfway through. And it was my mum being like... Firstly, I know you've nicked my phone. And secondly, where are you? And I was like, I don't give a shit because I've finally kissed somebody. I'm a woman now, Anne. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, what's, what's one of the most famous kisses that you can think of? Ooh. In a photograph, perhaps. The VE Day Yes, kiss? exactly. Oh, yeah, of course. Do you know the story behind that photograph? It's, it was somehow faked, wasn't it? It's not faked. What it was is... They weren't a couple at all, and the guy just grabbed her and kissed her. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and the guy yeah. didn't even... That wasn't a setup for the photo. The guy just had his camera and set up, and the next shot, apparently, is her, like, batting him and being like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get <laughs> right. off me. But obviously the picture is just incredible. Yeah, so, yeah. We've foregone that woman's minor sexual assault for the... <laughs> oh. the uh, Hopeful imagery of a peaceful world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I want a snog. Somebody snog me. Go right on, in. Oh, tweet. I'll give you a snog. Oh, thanks, mate. Mm. Please tweet in at DumbWomanPod if you'd like to snog me. I've given you a breast exam, so I feel like I should be able to give That's you a snog. That's true, yeah. <laughs> That's a step down, if anything. <laughs> Caroline, Hannah, would you like to have sex with me? Select yes. Confirm. You are really cute, and I am horny. Wow, it's like the real thing. Yeah, I like that. This week's Women Who Code Mixer is on sex robots. Oh, I thought this was just a new thing you were doing. was very off-putting. Each week in the Women Who Code Mixer, we attempt to learn something new about the technology industry. And this week, Robot Alex is leading the session. <laughs> I really would like to do that robot voice throughout the whole thing, but it really slow things down. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, I don't know if anybody has seen the recent press about sex robots. Yeah, it's everywhere right now, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, probably not by the time the podcast comes out, but at time of recording, they're mm. everywhere. <laughs> well, and no, they haven't killed of... anyone yet. Yeah, well, yet. That's mm. the thing. Um, I watched a Channel 4 documentary called The Rise of the Sex Robots, and not only does it feel very misogynistic, because guess who they're really popular with? <laughs> oh, it couldn't be men, could it? Oh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> it's men. <laughs> You know, weirdly, uh, loads of women aren't queuing up to have a rubber man as their life companion. Right, but yeah. weirdly, lots of men are. Yeah. And when we say lots, is it like 
oh, that here is Pete out in buttfuck Idaho with his six things. And he obviously yeah. found a freak. Your impression, Caroline, was scarily accurate to, really? the, guy, to, the, guy, to the guy they mainly featured. Yeah, Is sex robots, is that different from real dolls? Real dolls have been around for ages. Yeah, so this guy had lots of real dolls. Yeah. And then he was, you know, they kind of followed him throughout the program and he got to try out the sex robot. Right, and how are they different? The robot speaks and responds to you and oh. then eventually learns what you like. Oh, right. Okay. And eventually they're hoping the vaginal canal will also like contract and stuff as well as mm. they're shagging them. Oh. But they, yeah, you can chat to them. At the moment, they've still not got lots of different responses, but they do learn. So it is a new form of like AI, I guess. Mm. And yeah, they learn what you like and your preferences. And Ooh. it's oh, really so weird. Someone else couldn't come along and be like... I'm going to have sex with the sex robot because sex robot would be like, well, I'm just going to hang you upside down for a minute first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously they still would because they are a robot. So, yeah. yeah, and they can, they move as well. I've read that female sex robots are quite prevalent now. And obviously, comparatively, male sex robots have only just come on the market or mm. only yeah. just arriving kind of thing. Yeah, they do exist, but it's not as... Priority was, let's get these lady sex robots out. Yeah, well, because it's more of a market. Strange men, surely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Men just want women to say, yes, I'm horny. Or like, you're a cock, it's so big. Uh, <laughs> like, it is like it is like that at the moment because that they are sex robots, you know. Um, yeah, it's so they're not, not like kind they're... of poor companionship. No, well, they are. They, I mean, there was the guys on it were quite sad. They liked the talking element. They liked oh, the sort get of... a human then. Yeah. Well, he had a wife. Oh. She lived in the house with the six life dolls. Um, yeah, and then he was like, I have sex with the dolls probably two or three times a week and they sleep in the bed with us. <gasps> Oh my god! With him and his wife, who, weirdly enough, didn't seem like she respected him anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Really, I wonder why that could be. Yeah, but there's loads of moral questions and everything being raised at the moment because they pretty much know that the users will start to abuse the robots because, you know, men and (laughs) and also people will think that they can do because it's a robot and because it's just the plot of Westworld isn't it yeah exactly and then that you know people like Elon Musk and his gang of merry men are saying like well if you if you abuse them then when they do become more intelligent they will turn on you but also is there an argument to say that if you if you're willing to abuse a sex robot you might kind of you know there might be a cognitive shift where you're like oh I could just abuse this other woman right yeah Yeah. exactly and they're, they're Worried that it's going to be, you know, even more derogatory than porn for, like, men's attitudes to women. Completely. Oh. And I don't think porn is inherently evil. I think it's just it's easy for people to abuse. Do you know what I mean? The same yeah. way that a glass of wine isn't inherently evil. Yeah. Um, but, like, the people say that, like, oh, no, I'm perfectly capable of separating my fantasy life from my real life. Da, da, yeah. da. And I think many people are perfectly, most people are perfectly capable of yeah. doing that. But there's always those people that will fall through the cracks of being like, no, this is, this is the same thing. But you could also argue that uh, these men who are fucking sex robots are being taken out of the dating pool yeah. right <laughs> yeah and because they're home true. fucking sex robots yeah. and not like creeping up on women in pubs yeah there is that I mean if if nothing else yeah. let's yeah. take that from it also here's a quandary if someone told you right now we're going to introduce sex robots into there's basically going to be a kiosk in every city in the world mm. that you can fuck sex robots and it, it would guarantee to have human trafficking oh my you would, god you'd yeah. be like Oh, of course. Yeah, get them all in. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Get them in. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> sex robots get a tick from the dumb women, it turns out. 
started out so negative, but actually they're great. And also, what about like a little old man or something that just wants... Yeah, if know. someone's really lonely and doesn't feel like they're able to meet someone or, you know, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. yeah. hasn't been able to, then if it brings them comfort then yeah. maybe that's okay. You can really see the cesspit that's going to turn into, aren't or you? Or imagine if, like, oh, I've lost my charger. My sex life's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the charger's going to be even more expensive than the doll oh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And it'll be really niche, so yeah. like, nobody has it. <laughs> we just want to make it clear that when the sex robots are listening to this and they take us over, that we were on your side. Yeah, we try to defend you. <laughs> Caroline, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, you've decided this week to open up our relationship to include someone new, a third party. You know, I think things have been getting a little stale around here recently. (laughs) We need to jazz things up. You know, remember who we are by looking at somebody else. So I've invited the wonderful comedian Helen Duff to be with us today to talk about sex. Ah, sex. What is it? Who's having it? And should we be paying attention to these burning sores on our outer labias? Helen, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do. I'm loving that introduction that I've come to explain sex. Although, I did ask an audience at a comedy gig that I did on Friday at the Volts Festival. I'd asked the question, what is sex, of the audience? And they laughed initially, because it was such a ridiculous ask. And then um, nobody nobody would proffer an answer because somebody eventually said well it, it's about procreation and so then we all God. we were all, like, <laughs> we're all virgins then yeah, yeah exactly and then someone else said it requires penetration and somebody who was married with two children and um very much loves her wife suggested that definitely wasn't the case we eventually got to a definition that was like genitals naked near each other <laughs> and I was like well in that case I've had sex with every woman in the Hampstead Heath ladies pond changing room <laughs> so it was really <laughs> tricky and it's because I'm interested I'm making a new comedy show and I'm really interested in exploring non-penetrative sex and why in terms of language it's so difficult to talk about everything else that's not penetration in a way that seems to be like inferior like the language we have yeah the language we have is so designed to make it appear like everything else is foreplay or the run-up or extra or because you can't have sex sex yeah which in my opinion anyway is really doing a disservice the electric experience you can get just from Someone having a good go on your earlobe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, which is yeah. obviously it's language that's quite unfair to um, not only like lesbian couples, but people who can't have penetrative sex exactly. or whatever for whatever, yeah. you know, any kind of reason. Um, so what, what have you stumbled upon a concrete definition that you're happy with that isn't having sex with every lady in the changing rooms <laughs> at Hampton Heath Farm? Just being naked near them. <laughs> I think it's definitely the dictionary doesn't come up with one. It's really heteronormative. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'll find out as I make this show and see more audiences and ask more questions. Mm-hmm. I th- am hopefully going to be part of the opening up conversation about sex being more than just P and V. And I know that seems like surely we're past that. But the way our society is structured still yeah. really makes that wow. the kind of end game. I mean, my journey to this point has been completely wild. Yes. I was never able to even talk about sex, let alone make a comedy show about it. And then I 
decided to dress as a sperm. Yes, talk us through that because there are lots of pictures of you online dressed as a sperm that I need some context for. I bet the listeners as well were not expecting that to be the end of that sentence and then I decided to dress as a sperm. And basically, the reason for it was that my fear that my partner wouldn't come because I wasn't coming had come to become such a barrier against me ever coming that I just decided to become cum. <laughs> That's the joke I used to make in the, in the show, the Very sperm well show. But also, I think I just looked really fit as a sperm. <laughs> So it I was quite body con, really, yeah. wasn't it? That sperm outfit. It was like a, a very heavy leisure. <laughs> a blue mac and a sack and two pairs of blue tights. So you had to do quite a lot of research in your journey to becoming a sperm, um, including what tantric <laughs> stuff. Um, nice. I mean, I got a glimpse of it at your show last night, but I was wondering if you could take us into the the wild research journey that you went on. So before I even went to go and see Elaine the Shaman. <laughs> Elaine the Shaman Elaine the Shaman yeah. real name speaks like a target detective quite intimidating but lovely uh, I'd been to this female ejaculation workshop by accident I should have known it was called Sacred Squirting oh my god oh no and it had a Facebook group and it was in this warehouse situation up in East London of and course it was. Of course it was. I walked in and was like, I wonder what's behind that curtain. It turned out 10 adolescent boys playing Nintendo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we just didn't, we tried to ignore that. What were and you under the impression it was going to be? I thought it was going to be like, um, we all went around a circle and like, I've never had an orgasm, which at that point I hadn't, and sort of started a group WhatsApp chat, walked <gasps> away. Do you know what I mean? I thought it was going to be like low right. level, first time AA. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah, hi, yeah. I'm Helen. Yeah, um, twelve steps. It turned out it was for pros. I was in way out of my depth and potentially Whoa. about to drown in eleven other women's ejaculate. Oh <laughs> my god! So what? They were just openly wanking. I mean, not from the start. <laughs> it was tea, but it did build up to it. Oh yeah. Oh did my it actually? god! Yeah, this is the thing. I spent the first hour being like, "It's not. We won't. That's not. What? Is it?" <laughs> Even though she said, "Like, there's a hands-on section at the end." feel free to leave at that point whatever but when you're I'm one of those people who's like once you're in yeah. and you've paid 20 pounds 20 pounds I'll run in front of anybody I'm gonna, <laughs> exactly I'm gonna get my money's worth and also because by that point I'd built up having an orgasm to be such a huge huge thing I felt yeah. like such a failure I felt so broken oh. I was almost at the point where I was like I've never had an orgasm so have I have I really had sex like to that yeah. point because wow. some that people point. say that as well like yeah. much more rare but some people are like oh well I didn't come so mm. yeah exactly you know what I mean so it wasn't really worth it yeah. and did you find out more on your odyssey about the reasons why women a lot of women don't orgasm so many women don't orgasm it's really frustrating actually because when I would do the show and start it by going I'm dressed like this because I've never had an orgasm shock horror people would be so amazed and then afterwards all these people will come up to me and be like, neither can I, I never have. It <gasps> takes ages for me. I'm like two hours, three hours, you know, wow. all of these revelations. But when you're the person on stage, everyone kind of, as a collective, goes like, oh, no, no, I've, never, I've, I've never heard <laughs> What a, a mad freak. I have always <laughs> had completely fulfilling sex. <laughs> exactly, 100% that. And I think often people have that idea when they're with each other, like, Two people having sex, neither of them really into it or fulfilled, but nobody's saying it because it's kind of this unwritten code that you just have to like yeah. bang a bit and then be done. And yeah. also, you know when I you mean? tell men um, that you haven't come or that um, yes. whatever, they they sort of see you as like a Rubik's cube. <laughs> oh, exactly. And then and then you're sort of a bit like, 
you know, I, I appreciate that you're trying to do a good thing, but also I'm now pressured into like there's a coming. lot of pressure <laughs> yeah I also have known women who like when they start a sexual relationship with a man they'll be like just so you know don't want this to be a thing but I don't come so don't try yeah like, yeah because then if it does happen it happens yeah but that's isn't that awful though that you would say that to someone just oh don't try because I think it's one of those things as well that women want to be seen as being very easygoing they're Easy just like going. I'm a cool girl I either come all the time or don't at all so don't try well, well exactly yeah like I'd, just I'd, don't make an I don't want to make a fuss uh, don't yeah. make an effort please let's not make this an issue it'll make me more uncomfortable I'd rather not be the problem here all of that stuff can yeah. get into your head so yeah. hard so I completely understand that idea of like going in a situation going to be like just cousin on the table I'm not going to come so let's concentrate on you as yeah. a performer as well I spend so much of my life trying to like get other people off in the sense of making them laugh yeah, so yeah. I really enjoy like an audience who is having a good time <laughs> so it's really yeah. hard to like unprogram myself and I think women in general are really trained to see themselves from the outside and get off on other people enjoying them mm. so there's a real yeah. sense of I had a bit of a crisis at one point where somebody who was really into my body and very uh, complimentary, etc., was making me feel quite, um, like, outside of myself because I just, I didn't connect to the compliments they were giving me. But it was an interesting yeah. experience of, like, getting further and further away from yourself. I, I kind of, I, I recognise that feeling. It's almost that feeling that you're subletting your own body. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're just like, you're the landlord. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, well, yeah. drop the keys off when you're done. <laughs> totally, especially because of that thing of like, I take ages, that idea, which so many women have said to me, also because I'm making a podcast about orgasms. Right. And um, so many women have said to me as I start the interview, I'm really specific or I'm really particular or I take ages. And I just feel as if, well, of course you are. It's your body, but it's you. You're an individual. Why shouldn't you? But and it probably is they're actually not that specific yeah. it's just that we don't talk about it enough for people to realise that some people are like 10.30am mm, on their clitoris is exactly the point they want touched <laughs> yeah, yeah. Loads of people I've had loads of people at 10.30 loads of people who are like 3.30pm wait we're supposed to be wanking at work <laughs> <laughs> If you imagine the clock, like yes, no, I'm, I'm with you, but I, I, I've like never a watch like looking up <laughs> divided my vagina by my clitoris specifically by twelve before. No, but like, do you know? Have you got like a little spot that you're like that's definitely more sensitive? Pro than yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think I could point it out on myself. Yeah, it's just like when someone's doing it there, I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that's it. That's the bit. You've got the bit. <laughs> if you were like in a stressful situation on a tube and you closed your eyes, could you visualize it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing that because it's like, how often do you see, how often do you hear the president of the United States talking about grabbing people's pussies and yet women are not allowed to do it of themselves? It's like, that. it's mine. I yeah. uh, This is my yeah. property. Why shouldn't I be allowed to touch it? You know? Yeah, there's still like a novelty, I think, if you... If you're talking to male friends and, the, you know, they're like, what are we up to today? And you, and you say, you know, oh, did this, did that. Then I knocked one out and came out. And they're all like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Have you seen Phantom Thread? <laughs> um, okay, Helen. So this has been mind-blowing. Uh, you mentioned that you were doing a podcast on orgasms. Could yes. we hear a quick plug on that? Well, when it goes up, it's not yet edited, but I've, I'm so excited about it. The interviews have been amazing. I interviewed a woman who's like an expert in BDSM the other day, and it was it blew my mind. Wow. Yeah. 
so much about trust and role play. Incredible. Um, anyway, it's going to go up and it'll be on my website when it does, helenduff.com. That's probably the best place to find out. Yeah. Has it got Fantastic. a funny name? I'm in between all sorts now. Okay, right. Because my Under name is Helen Duff, it's probably going to be something like, go duff yourself. <laughs> yeah. Right, and what, where can we get you on Twitter or Instagram or do you use those things? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, at Duff Marvel, and then Facebook, Helen Duff Comedy, and Instagram, at Duff Marvel again. All right, fantastic. Can I ask you one tiny question? Yeah. Did you ever pull dressed as a sperm? Oh, so many times. Really? (laughs) Yeah. They love looking at their own calm. It's unreal. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming in, Helen. Thank Thank you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Caroline, I really enjoyed that. And, you know, after that, the kissing, the orgasming, the sex robots. I mean, I'm, I don't want to say it, guys, but I really, I'm up for it tonight with both of you two. So, uh, Hannah, finish me off with your topic. What's it going to be? <laughs> uh, well, Alex, this week I'm talking about the most romantic drink Ooh. of all of the drinks. <gasps> oh. You drink it out of someone's crevice. Well, you could do. Uh, squash. Oh, it's a good one, right? As in, like, as in Robinson's orange squash. Yeah. Add some water, have a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you've got me for Valentine's Day. Yeah, we're talking about orgasms and <laughs> sex robots. We're Guys. raising the stakes up here. We've got bloody massage oil all over ourselves. We're wearing new <laughs> yeah. lingerie and you come in with some fucking Robinson's no added sugar. Agreed. I was lubed. Tess, I don't know why you're so angry about this. Okay, well, I thought we said we weren't going to do anything for Valentine's Day <sighs> this year. We say uh... that every year, Hannah, and every year I get something engraved for you and you come <laughs> back with some bullshit story about how you got me a cheese sandwich when I know that that was actually just your lunch. Well, do you want it or not? Yeah, I do, yeah. Fine, yeah. Right, I'll, fine. I'll well. just turn off this Lionel Richie and... Take the dimmers off dim. Yeah. Now we just have the big light on. Oh, God. Hope you're pleased. (laughs) The big light. Is there anything more boner killing? Squash, maybe. Squash, go on. (laughs) Hit me. So squash. That flaccid subject. Yeah. So we drink squash a lot, right? Not only on Valentine's Day, although it's obviously 
a big part of Valentine's Day. <laughs> right. For you, yeah. For, yeah, for me. But uh, personally, I had no idea what it's made of. What is squash made of? Sugar? Sugary. Sugar and fruits. Is it squashed fruits? Yeah. Is it? What? Yeah. No, I'm turned on. Yeah, it's fruit fruit squash typically. Orange squash, blackcurrant squash, apple, pear, peach. Name the squash, you could probably squash it. Mixed berry. Mixed berry summer fruits. Uh, so yeah, so squash has been a big part of our lives, or at least our childhoods maybe. Yeah, sure. and yeah. I think it's a very British thing, isn't it? It is very British. In America, they just kind of don't really have squash. They have Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, in America, have... it's like, you, why would you add water to sugar? Just drink the squash straight. Yeah. <laughs> and they have um, dry powders, which they mix into water to create squashes. Oh, savages. Bizarre, right? Maybe we should clarify, in the UK, squash is like a concentrated fruit drink that um cordial sits on the shelf yeah yeah yeah, like a cordial or something like that and you add it to water why do we call it squash nice i think it was originally because someone squashed a lemon and was like there we go done call it squash the original squash but basically i think we don't talk about squash enough we're not open enough about our squash how do we know what squash Mm. we want if we're not talking about the squash so many couples break up every year because they're not talking about their squash habits enough agreed Mm. like they're not getting enough squash yeah so i think you know we've opened up the conversation about orgasms i think we need to open up the conversation in the same way about squash right here the squash conversation is happening now I will say that I sometimes go through phases where I forget that squash exists. And then when I remember, yeah. oh my God, it changes mm. my life. Yeah. I completely forget all the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you buy it and you're like, God, this makes water so much more interesting. I know, it's yeah. like, um, because you're always hearing about like, oh, drink more water, drink more water. And you're like, cheat code, squash. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what I will say is, there is no greater hangover cure than a pint of squash. Yeah, yes. got to get the ratios right, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One part juice to three part water, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, strong. Is that strong? I think so, yeah. Maybe I get double concentrate, I'm not sure. For our abroad listeners, double concentrate is when it's in a smaller bottle and it says that it's stronger and you're never really sure, so you probably put the same (laughs) amount in anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me take you through how squash was invented. So obviously people have been drinking fruit juice since, you know, they saw fruits and that they had juice in them and they were like, I can drink that, that's delicious. Lovely. Great. Um, And how squash came about was this guy called Matthias Archibald Robinson made of barley powder which could be stirred into hot water to help kind of kidney complaints and fevers and stuff like that. But people had been using barley in a medicinal way for ages, actually, before that. Oh, didn't know that. So it was being sold as this kind of medicinal powder for a little while. And then in 1935, a Robinson's salesman, this is Robinson's, you know, the barley powder, went to Wimbledon, mixed (gasps) the barley powder with iced water and fresh lemons for the male players he was like you know repping it so he was like well here's why you want to drink our barley powder it's delicious with lemon Um, god it really is associated with Wimbledon then yeah and it was a total hit and actually the Robinsons stroke Wimbledon relationship is one of the longest running uh, sports partnerships in history wow Wow. that's a fact for you that's a big fact this Valentine's Day (laughs) (laughs) which remembers this is all about it yeah And there's that there's that lovely rom com with Paul Bettany called Wimbledon. Yes, Bettany yes. was drinking squash. Oh God, absolutely, I bet he was. absolutely was because he. I don't think he could not be. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously it kind of developed, and people decided they really liked this lemon barley thing, and they started making other flavors and things like that. Uh, what I didn't actually realize until 
it was staring me in the face. Robinsons, which, you know, is the biggest squash brand in the UK. Like, name me another squash brand. Oh, Kiora? What? Kiora. Are they squash, though? It's too orangey for crows. (laughs) (laughs) I know Kiora, but I thought that was like a Sunny D sort of affair. Oh, I had a little squash, I think. Oh, maybe they do squash as well. My Wadi? What are these things? Don't know what that is. So that could just be an Irish thing. Oh, fine. Ribena? Yeah, Ribena, technically. I've got a great Ribena fact as well for you later. I'm just teeing you up, you know, keeping you you going. (laughs) Ribena is always so expensive. Ribena is expensive. So maybe buy that for your loved one this... Valentine's Day is a real treat. Oh, what? I should have got you the lint box and instead I got you um, Cadbury's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the, th- the thing I didn't realise until um, it was really like right in front of me, Robinson's has discontinued its main squash range and replaced it with a no added sugars squash range. But it's all sweeteners, pretty much. Oh, They're so bad that's few bad. Other ways, though. Yeah. yeah, I kind of tried to look into that, and it's like aspartame, it, yeah, or whatever it's aspartame, called. Aspartame, yeah. Aspartame. Um, apparently, there's kind of no basis for that. Oh. Uh, there's no basis for the rumors that you know aspartame is bad for you, or there was one rumor that it um, incites ADHD in children and mm. all that sort of stuff. Which is uh... sorry, right, phones have taken that over now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The that's the reason that they yeah. all have ADHD. Not yeah. that they all have fucking phones at five years old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, its competitor, Ribena, has been going for bloody ages. And in World War Two, they used to give Ribena to kids because they realised that black currants had lots of vitamin C in them. Ah. And also because all the shipping routes were kind of disrupted, um, black currants grow in the UK. And so they were like, well, we can just use this fruit which is grown here rather than waiting for oranges from Spain or Florida or somewhere. We can just use blackcurrants instead. Isn't that good? That's really really good. good. Uh, Vimto as well. I don't know if it's technically a squash. It's kind of in the same league. sort of, yeah. Uh, It was invented in 1903 to combat drinking. It was invented as a weapon for the Temperance League (gasps) who wanted to stop Britons from drinking. Oh. Isn't that interesting? And you can listen back to our Prohibition episode. Uh, Caroline, you did a brilliant section on Prohibition in our previous episode. Oh, thank you, Hannah. You mm. are a seductive today. I know. Your compliments. Sadly, the Geordies sort of pissed all over that Vimto idea because they then invented the cheeky Vimto, mm, whereby right. you drop a shot of vodka in it. Oh, is that what that is? Uh, it's worse than that. It's actually um, like a blue WKD, a red something else, a bit of Vimto and a shot. Gross. Delicious. It's really gross. Fine. Please do write in and remind me what a cheeky Vimto is. Finally, we must all bow down to Kambuka the gorilla, of course, from London Zoo. Did you see this? No. In 2016, a gorilla escaped from his enclosure at London Zoo. He went into the area where the um, zookeepers do their things, found some undiluted squash, drank five litres of it. <gasps> Orange squash. Wow. I know. Proud of him. Then what happened? Did he get diabetes? They tranquilised him and put him back in his cage. Well, he lived for one day. Yeah, right. He lived for one amazing squash-filled day. Baby's day out. Beautiful. Anyway, I think squash is really romantic. So I don't know what you guys are complaining about. Um, And next year, maybe remind me beforehand. (laughs) And then we won't have this kind of scenario. Sorry, but I'm really enjoying my squash, so thanks. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Practical and sexy. Yes. Like you, Anna. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, it's nearly the end of the episode, almost at the climax 
Uh, but just before we go, <laughs> that, t- that turned me on. It's been too long. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do just have time to squeeze in a smart lesson, of course, uh, where each week we try to learn how to become smart women because otherwise we are useless. Caroline, what's this week's smart lesson about? Well, I thought because, you know, we're in we're in the tender season, I thought we could open up, let our guards down and allow ourselves to be vulnerable by talking about love and pretending that you don't give a shit about celebrating it. For uh, me, yeah. this is the hardest thing about Valentine's Day. It's it's the yearly bind of how every year you have to take a long look at your romantic situation and decide what your official PR stance is on the Merry Crimson Day. Whether you're single or coupled up, there's no getting around the fact that you can't just not participate in Valentine's Day. You have to have an alternate plan. You are either conspicuously doing something or conspicuously not doing something. Yeah, whether you're going to Paris with your partner or going to a beat poetry night called Love is a Con invented by Disney, you're absolutely making a statement. And even if it's eating pasta in your pants, you're either doing it for Valentine's Day or against Valentine's Day. So before we start, what is everyone's stance for V-Day 2018? Okay, well, this is my third year being single on Valentine's Day, so people don't even ask me what my stance is anymore. They just sort of press a fiver into my hand while they try not to cry. It's just so tragic. Do you remember to get cash out? And the prime of her life. (laughs) My stance is that I make no plans and do nothing, uh, but if my boyfriend does anything even mildly annoying on the day, I use it to make him feel worse. Like, Mm. you didn't do the washing up. On Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's great. It's a great heightener. But like anything good he does, anything bad he does, it's like, on Valentine's Day or on yes. Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't care about. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, exactly the same as you, Hannah. I do nothing. I expect nothing. And then I'm filled with existential dread whenever I see a woman carrying flowers. And then I take all that dread and I parcel them out in small, aggressive comments over the following (laughs) weeks and months. So, like, you never know what the source of them even is. You just think I'm pissed. It's just so hidden. Yeah, I would rather be irrational and crazy than have someone think I care about Valentine's Day. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. fine. So, the problem with Valentine's Day is that caring about it is uncool. And if you're remotely bothered about it, you come across as a total basic. So, here are some tips to get you through. Number one, don't make plans. Mm. Oh, is that so that you can sort of, whatever happens, you're free? Yeah. And if someone's like, well, what, what are you doing on Wednesday? Be like, oh, what's Wednesday? And just like, you live outside uh, of this. You're yeah, too cool, yeah. man. Yeah, agreed. That's good. Also, um, when people ask what you're doing, act really confused and say, oh, is that this month? You know, just Yeah, really, like you've never oh, yeah. known about Valentine's You know, it's crept Day. up on you. You just, well, it was Christmas mm. a minute ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. Say thing. what? Huh? Yeah. Um, say like I do every year you're spending Valentine's Day helping those less fortunate like the homeless or our own Alexandra Haddo yes mm. um, two pounds a month will help me bribe a man into going out with me <laughs> <laughs> oh you could um, you could just deflect every time and be like I think there's actually more important things to be worrying about this year like Jank Atanov's new girlfriend who can we discuss or Yemen Yemen yeah. there's a yeah. situation in Yemen still yeah. still yeah, yeah. I think also, as a smart woman, really, you should be too busy for Valentine's Day. You know, you're too busy answering 500 emails in your inbox to, mm-hmm. you know, have a date or if you have a partner to see them. Ever. Yeah, really. sure. Totally. And whatever you do, whoever you're spending Valentine's Day or not spending Valentine's Day with, do not make more than one joke about discount chocolate the next day because if you make more than one you become that girl in your head everyone's like oh a single girl with the chocolate she (laughs) loves the chocolate pride and prejudice get her more chocolate no you don't want to be that person that that image sticks in people's heads 
Do not make jokes about chocolate. Okay. Don't say chocolate. Don't mention the word flowers. Don't. Mm-hmm. Don't cry. Well, that's it for another week. We hope that the majority of you are okay with dying alone. And if not, please remember that the sun will destroy the earth a mere five billion years from now. So it's all much of a muchness. Thanks to Helen Duff for dropping in, Harry Harris for the tunes, Gavin Day for our logo, and Soho Radio Studios for the recording space. Please do go and rate us on the Apple Podcast Store, formerly known as iTunes, and subscribe to us so that you can get a fresh new episode in your ears every Tuesday morning. I, for one, sincerely hope you have a squash-filled, fruity Valentine's Day. You will not make squash Valentine's Day a thing, Hannah, (laughs) no matter how hard you try, no matter how big your platform gets. Goodbye! Bye! I was hoping to pour squash on both of you in a sort of sexual manner. Ooh, look at that, get that feeling. Honey, my squash in the (laughs) (laughs) Cut it there, Hannah. This is about to get dirty. (laughs) Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.